Welcome back to the On The Brink podcast. I have a very special guest and friend of mine on today. So my friend Catherine joins me all the way from Illinois. And I'm just really excited to have Catherine on today because I've known her for, oh my goodness, I don't even know exactly how many years, but we met in our freshman year of high school, I believe. And we've kept in touch ever since. Um you know, even if it's just a little bit here and there. And so I'm just really grateful to have Catherine as a friend. And she is actually Dr. Catherine because she <laughs> has her doctorate and she's a physical therapist. So I'm really excited for her to share her path into physical therapy and just share a little bit about how her 20s have been overall. So welcome to the podcast, Catherine. Hey, thanks for having me. Of course. So do, would you like to tell my listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name's Catherine. Uh, like Emily said, I live in the Chicago suburbs. I went away for college, but came right back. I am 25 years old, and I've been working for about the past year and a half as a pediatric physical therapist. Awesome. And we, like I said, we met in high school. We both went to the same private school, which I will not disclose the name, but um, you could probably figure it out. But I was trying to think, I was really trying to think back to the first time that we met and I couldn't, I couldn't really figure out like the first time that we met, but I'm pretty sure it was yeah. freshman year of high school. And I, I really don't think we had any classes together. I don't think. Oh, wait, didn't we have history together? Maybe. Maybe. No, maybe. maybe. Okay. I don't know. It might have, we might or have choir. Had- eventually yeah so yeah I think eventually you know if we did have a class together then we also um hung out in choir but we were all in the same kind of friend group um Mm -hmm. me you and a lot of other people and then uh as time it kind of morphed and grew and and then by you know senior year we were we were definitely in the same friend group and have just you know kept in touch ever since so I'm just grateful that we uh, met that one time, whenever it was in choir or history class, who knows, we may never know. So speaking of your path into physical therapy, what was it that really, like brought you into that path? Because when I knew you, I I don't know that you had any clue what you wanted to go into. But I know that when you went to college, you were in like this program, Mm -hmm. you knew you were gonna do physical therapy. Right. Yeah. So I, gosh, for as long as I can remember, I wanted to be a doctor. I came from a family of physicians. It was just kind of something that I always saw myself doing. I wanted to help other people. I was comfortable with the medical field. That's kind of something I always thought I was going to go into. I love the human body. It's like, I love taking anatomy. Um, and so I was always like, Oh, well that seems like something that would fit me. And I loved kids. So I was like, Oh, pediatrician done. And then as you get older, you start thinking of some of the logistics of it. And you're like, oh, well, I don't know. It's a lot of school. And I have some other life aspirations aside from just my career that I want to make sure I can account for, you know. And I was talking to my pediatrician. And it turns out that what I thought it was going to be isn't quite what it was. And the expectations and things that I was looking for didn't necessarily match up. 
So I'm really big on like being a people person and building a relationship with people. And my pediatrician was like, well, if that's what you want, my healthy kids, I see like one time a year for a well kid visit. You don't really get that consistent interaction to really build that relationship. So after talking to her, I was like, well, let me look at some other stuff, you know, let's see what's out there. And my mom was kind of doing what my mom does. And she's a great, you know, people person too, talks to everyone. She had a friend, a childhood friend actually that she grew up with who was working as a pediatric physical therapist. And she said, why doesn't Catherine come hang out for the day, shadow with me, see what it's all about. And then maybe that'll help give her a little bit more clarity on what she wants to do for her career. I hung out with her for the day and I fell in love. I was just like, oh my God, this is it. How did I not know about this sooner? Like this has to be what I'm doing. And that was my junior year of high school. So I was around that time where I was looking at colleges, applying, figuring out what programs everyone had, going through that. Um, so I shadowed with her for the day, fell in love. My parents thought I was crazy because I'm not a decisive person. You can attest to that, Emily, but like, I'm not super decisive. So when I like walked out after like an eight hour day, knowing my career, my mom's like, are you serious? Like, there's no way. So as a result of that, I actually started volunteering at the hospital that I currently work at, but I was volunteering in the pediatric department. So I would help run some of the group classes, um, help clean some of the equipment, talk to the other therapists, stuff like that, just to kind of confirm and really see firsthand what my role would entail one day if this was the career path that I decided to choose. Um, so I did that, gosh, my junior and senior year of high school. Junior year, I decided to apply to a few different colleges. Um, there's... I wanted to stay in the Midwest for college. That was my first thing. And then my second thing when I was looking at colleges was kind of what had the program that would give me the career that I wanted. Um, so there's a few schools, three in the Midwest, that have the direct admit program. So what it was is basically three years of undergrad and then a direct admit goes straight through into three years of grad school. No taking the GRE, no reapplying, no real pressure for grades. I mean, you keep your grades up, but it's not like you're in competition to then get a spot in grad school. Um, so I got into the, my favorite program, which was awesome. Was a huge blessing. So happy it happened that way. Um, but got in, I went to like, again, three years of undergrad, three years of grad school, a few summers in there. Um, so I actually graduated with a doctorate at 24, which is kind of crazy. And people are like, how did you know? And it's hard because you're not supposed to know when you're 17. And this is truly a career path that I wouldn't have known about if I hadn't observed. Um, and there are some other events that kind of happened while I was in the program that I'm sure you'll ask about that kind of helped confirm to this career choice. But I think it is really hard to know at 17. And it's truly one of those experiences where you talk to the right people, you saw the right stuff, and everything kind of fell into place after that. Well, first of all, I want to say what you did in high school was super smart and like way ahead of a lot of other students that like truly had no idea, but also didn't go out and do anything about it. Um, so you were actually like, you know, trying to, to figure it out, which is why I think it was so successful, but also yeah. you were lucky. Like, that's amazing that you, yeah. you know, have ended up doing exactly what you went to go do. And yeah. I feel that same way too. Sometimes when I think about like, when I was a senior in high school, um, applying for schools, not really knowing, I didn't have that clarity as much as you maybe, but mm -hmm. um, not knowing exactly what the, you know, vocal performance meant and then ending up like, you know, going and doing that and then also getting a master's in it. So I was lucky I didn't ever like change my major. I didn't have any of that um, to deal with, which I'm very grateful for, but not, not yeah. saying there's anything wrong with that. But like, we're in that same boat where we both got the major that we intended to get and have been working in that field. Right. So we're both, right. both yeah. very lucky. 
Um, But yes, I do want to ask you about that one moment that we shared, which was so, Mm -hmm. so insane um, that I'm going to try to explain to my listeners um, what happened. Mm -hmm. One weekend I was visiting Catherine when she was in college. We both went to school in the Midwest, um, like Catherine said, and our schools were not that far away from each other. So I think it was like a fall break. Would that have made sense? I think so. Because I had my fall break like two weeks after. Yeah. yeah, I think it was your fall break. And you were only like two hours away from me. So I think you like drove down with a friend and we were like, oh, hang out for the weekend. Yeah. Um, And I'll show you the city I was in because you were a little more uh, suburban in your campus. So I was going to give you the city feel for the weekend, I think. (laughs) Right. My campus was definitely on the more like rural end. I didn't say I said suburban, but it it was rural. I won't say it that But I went to school in the middle of a city. So you were like total (laughs) opposite. Total opposite. I was going to school in like the middle of a cornfield and you were like, you know, St. Louis. Yes. Um, but anyways, I was visiting Catherine for the weekend. And do you, do you want to tell the story or should sure. I? Sure. I'll tell the story. <laughs> I mean, you, you can always chime in too, because you were actually right there in the thick of it with me. Um, yeah. So I have a younger brother. His name's Andrew. He's two years younger than me. So it was our sophomore year of college. And his senior year of high school. And he was a football player. And I think it was the first home game of the season, maybe. And he was playing football. He went in for a tackle and then never stood up. Um, And so Emily was with me when I got the call in St. Louis. And I think it was my mom. And I think all she said was, Andrew's hurt. I don't know what's going on. He's in an ambulance right now. I'll keep you updated. And I was like, okay. And like, you have to know my brother, but my brother doesn't like just get hurt. Like he's not a wimp. Like if he's hurt, something is like seriously wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I don't know. I don't even, that whole night, honestly, is kind of like a blur. I remember Emily was with me. Yeah. And like, I think we, I know we for sure went and we got ice cream because that would always cheer me up. So we went to Ted Drew's in St. Louis and just like place known for their frozen custard so I think we got ice cream and we tried to watch a movie I don't even remember which one but I remember laying on the air mattress I blew up for you to sleep in and watching my tv um and at that point nothing really hit me because I didn't know what was going on um so again I mentioned my dad's a physician um so he kind of knows what's going on and so I was kind of talking to him and then also kind of talking to my mom Um, so I think Saturday morning is when I woke up to all the texts about what had happened. So he sustained a C5, C6 spinal cord injury. So for all you non-medical people, that means he broke his neck and couldn't move anything from about his nipples down. Um, so he went into emergency surgery that night. So Friday night and Saturday morning, emergency surgery to kind of, they call it decompress the spinal cord. So kind of take the pressure off and try to have it not swell as bad. So hopefully the damage isn't as much. Um, so that happened. So I knew he got out of surgery. Okay. Saturday. And then it was kind of this waiting game and he was supposed to have another surgery. I think it was early the following week um, to kind of his vertebrae basically, he got a burst fracture. So his bones in his back basically exploded and kind of went everywhere. Um, so then what they did for the second surgery, so the first surgery, they go in and they clean everything out. The second surgery, they go in, um, and kind of fuse his spine together so that more damage doesn't occur. 
So that happened on Monday or Tuesday. Um, so truly that whole weekend is kind of a blur. I know Emily was with me. I was going into my, I think you were too, midterms week, mm-hmm. the following week. Um, so I remember Saturday. We, I remember we were studying. I was like, we went to that coffee shop and trying to study. And I, and I was truly like, I, so I was in a direct admit program. So I was taking all my basic science courses at this time. And then I I was going into all the specific stuff in grad school. So I was taking like physiology and lo and behold, we're learning about the nervous system. And I felt like I just cannot focus. I cannot study for that exam. I don't know what to do. Um, so I ended up emailing my like um, program mentor, told her the situation. They're like, okay, tell all your professors, don't take anything that you're not ready to take. Like, let's work through this with you. And they were like, incredible. I have to come in my university because I don't think I would have gotten that same um, response had I gone to a bigger school or a school that didn't truly know their students and care about the whole person. Um, and so that was huge for me. So I ended up taking whatever exams I felt ready to study for. And I had a few term papers in there. So I took some and I deferred my, uh, physiology exam and another exam till the week after, um, fall break. So, luckily he got injured and he was in the hospital for about a week. And then I got to go home for fall break and see him. Um, so it was a very unique experience. I think being, I was the only family member away from home when it happened. So I have a younger sister too. She was at the game. My parents were at the game. I think my uncles and my grandpa was at the game too. Um, so I was kind of the only one not there and kind of out of the loop and just hearing from other people what was going on. Um, so throughout this though, I kind of think it's hard to find a silver lining in it. And I've struggled with it for a few years, but for me, I then got to witness firsthand truly what the therapy world can do with a personal experience tied to it. I got to see him go through all the different levels of care from being in the neuro ICU to then going to um, one of the top rehab hospitals in the country. He was there for about three months And then he was home and he was doing intensive therapy at two other local facilities here um, for about six hours a day easily. And seeing his journey through that recovery process, I was still away at school. I offered to my parents that I could take a year off from the program. And I actually quit my program. I could take a year off and then pick back up right where I started. Parents were like, absolutely not. This is what you're doing. This is what you're made to do. You're finishing. They told me exactly. We don't have another kid that we need to worry about. (laughs) <laughs> that was their loving way of telling me that it was going to be fine. They were going to handle it. And we were going to work through this as a family. So every chance I got, I came home to visit him, take him to different therapies, talk to the therapist, see what's going on, see what else we could do at home to help him. Um, so that process, he, I mean, he was in therapy for probably two years after his injury. And then he finally decided, you know what? They say the critical window of recovery for spinal cord injury is between like six months to 18 months after injury. He had done it for a year. He'd deferred college for a year. Um, and he was like, you know what? It's time to move on with my life. If this is the situation I'm in now, that's fine. I'm moving along. Um, so I feel like from him, I get a lot of my, I'm just truly in awe of him and, uh, everything he does and his attitude about it. Cause I'll come home and I'll complain about work. And I'm just like, I really shouldn't be complaining because it could be so much different. And I know I would not respond the same way if I was in the situation. 
because it's truly a life-changing um, injury. But for me, my way to find some sort of purpose or meaning in it was that I got to witness it firsthand. And I can truly now, I think, better relate to my patients. And I can't, normally you can't, they tell you in healthcare, don't say you understand because you don't. Well, I truly do. And I can tell my patients that and they can know it. And we can have this very real and open relationship and talk about it. Because he was going to therapy the same place that I used to volunteer. So like I knew his therapist, they came back, I came back to work then as a clinician after I graduated and they're like, how's your brother doing? You know, you have such this close knit bond and it brought me to so many incredible people that I wouldn't have met otherwise. And truly I think helped me in my career. And I'm grateful for that. Although I would never wish this injury on anyone. There are some positive things that have come out of it, especially given my career choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that you can, you know, say that now Mm -hmm. many years after all this, but that weekend was so scary. I mean, to to like be there with you when you're finding out all this news and to not really understand, you know, what was going on at first and to be so far away from home. Like I was just glad that I could be there with you, um, like from home, Mm -hmm. which is so random that I happened to be there for that. But I feel like there's this bigger reason why you were because I don't think I would have handled it as well if you weren't there and no one else can get it you know but I felt like you were the closest person who could because you knew our high school community you knew how tight-knit it was you know and yeah yeah, to have that piece of home there that weekend was incredible and I think there is some sort of reason why that happened because we never did another trip like that again and it's not because of that but it was like how the timing and everything worked out I felt like it was just almost meant to be right right you know it was the right time and place and you know I was meant to be there to help you through it at that particular weekend but um yeah but yeah so scary and I'm so happy to hear that yeah. he you know how his progress is going and like how well he's doing because we had no idea yeah. like when that was all going down if he was even gonna survive like yeah. we didn't know you did not know um when you got that phone call you Truly. know what what the severity yeah. was and it was very severe so you know it's just amazing how well he's doing and like just his attitude, like you said, is, is so incredible. I think we can all learn a lot from your brother. So. Oh, we can't every day. I tell him that I'm like, he's going to be a motivational speaker one day (laughs) just because his attitude for it has been incredible. Like, and he, he did have a great like support group of friends and stuff. Cause a lot of times you hear about this stuff that you have a catastrophic injury and you can see it. He was on the spinal cord injury floor at this rehab hospital. You see, people's families fall apart. You see friendships and relationships, romantic relationships fall apart. You see people sometimes in their darkest hours. And I feel like it's a true test of a person's character because there's a huge incidence of people who suffer from anxiety and depression as a result. They have that why me mentality. They're bitter at the world, you know, and so it can easily go to that. Like, I think that's the majority of it is that's where you know, some people's head goes and that's where I would go if it happened to me, truly. Like I would be so frustrated and just down about the whole thing. And Andrew was never like that at all. And my mom is very optimistic, which is great. My dad sometimes is more realistic and sometimes I'm more like, like my dad. But I also think it was this very interesting paradigm to be in where you have my dad, who's a physician who literally was in the ambulance and talking to him after he goes, it turned out that it was what I hoped it would never be. 
Like he knew exactly when it happened, what it was. And he goes, that was what I was hoping it wasn't. And so then you have my mom who doesn't really know she was in the business world and she was a caretaker for older relatives and stuff. So she's a very intelligent lady, but she doesn't have that medical knowledge and that medical training that you have Mm -hmm. being in the healthcare field. And so being stuck between the two of them was this super interesting paradigm. And then you add on to that, my therapist hat, which is, yes, this is what happened to you medically, but it's not a death sentence. And it's also not the end of the road. This isn't what it is. This doesn't have to be what it is. You can work your butt off. You can do and see what the future holds. It's not that we're done and there's no hope left. It's okay. Here's where we're starting from. Where can we get you? What do you want to get back to? How can we help? And I think that's a very interesting model and a different model in the medical aspect. And for that reason, that's another reason I'm like, I'm so grateful I'm a therapist because you see it through a different lens than just a medical person, like a, a nurse or a doctor who are incredible and have their role. But their whole purpose is to save your life and keep you alive. If you have a therapist role, you're trying to get them back to a better life and the life that they want. And you get to enhance that quality of life aspect that's not just life-saving. It's almost like life-giving your life purpose. So I think it was an interesting paradigm, but I think it definitely shaped me into the therapist that I am today and changing your perspective of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I was going to ask if, um, you know, having that knowledge when it all happened and like being about halfway, a little less than halfway through your college, but like you knew, I mean, you had shadowed therapists before, you've seen these things before. I mean, did it, was it more helpful or was it hard to like keep going and learn about these things and know that your brother was dealing with it personally? Um, I think it depends on what it was, right? Like there's always, that's the typical physical therapy answer. If there's any physical therapist out there, the laugh, cause that's the answer in grad school is like, Oh, it depends because it does. Because when I was going through like the anatomy or physiology stuff, yeah, it may have been harder, but then by the time I got to grad school and I had lived this all and we were learning about spinal cord injury and the different Asia scoring systems and how it can change. I was like, oh, yeah, he went from this to this. He gained this. Or, oh, if you're at a certain level, you get this. Oh, yeah, that's how he can brush his teeth or feed himself. He uses that different. So it gave this new light, I guess, just to the experience of it. But it was really difficult at times. I feel like for me, the hardest thing was we were such a close-knit family that I wanted to go away to school to be able to have my own experience and get away. But there was always this part of me that felt so guilty for being away at school and not coming back because everyone else was back. They were helping out as much as they could. And then I was kind of like, okay, well, I'll come home for breaks and I'll be the one, you know, driving him to therapy or going back and forth and getting him what he needs. But I felt like necessarily the coursework wasn't difficult, but I felt like staying at school, at least for that first year, was super hard because I almost felt like I was abandoning my family. Even though everyone told me, this is what you should do. We have it covered here. It's a hard thing to be that older sister and to want to help and only be able to help in a limited capacity from a distance. Mm -hmm. Um, But as far as like the coursework stuff, I felt like it gave new light to what I was learning and it was more of a practical application. And it made me think more about different things. Like I still am fascinated by my brother's injury because he lost like his sense of temperature, but he can still feel his pain. Well, if you look at the anatomy of it, those run on the same like nerve pathway. 
So why can he do one and not the other? It still boggles my mind. I ask other therapists and I'm like, what do you think of this? And it's just that weird thing that you don't know about. But it's like, you think critically of it, but then you also get the appreciation of what it is and what it's offered you. And like, well, you have you have someone right in front of you who's yeah. like a case study, basically. Yeah. I mean, not to, not to like break it down oh, that I much. Did, but- I did projects on my brother just because I wanted to show off the equipment. It's <laughs> like, and he's an open book, which is awesome. Because he was using all this really high tech, like walking equipment and stuff. And my, I was telling my professors about it and they were honestly like, oh, that would be like really cool to show your classmates, you know, because it's such a specific patient population. And in school, you're, you're certified and you're licensed as a general practitioner. So I have to be able to treat the kids that I treat. I also have to be able to treat people after they get a sports injury. I have to be able to treat them after they have a stroke. I have to be able to treat the elderly adult who frequently falls because of their balance. Like I, my license and my degree makes, I can treat everyone. I don't Mm -hmm. have to specialize like I have, but so then to give other students that insight, which if you didn't have someone who has an injury, you're not going to see have this equipment unless you're in a super high tech research facility like he was. Mm-hmm. So you do learn so much. And I got to share so much with my classmates. Um, and I think that was cool. So again, not that I would ever want this to happen, but I was finding all these little purposes and validations in the experience of it. No, that's awesome. And you have to, because I mean, that's your profession and mm-hmm. you have to keep going and you try yeah. to keep going and persevering. And then yeah. uh, now you get to help your brother. I'm sure he finds yeah. it helpful to have... <laughs> A physical therapist sister, right? Yeah, kind of. It was kind of funny. So I felt like he, well, and my mom also, she's like, oh my gosh, my daughter's in a physical therapy program. So she was talking me up before I would like come and visit him at the hospital. But Mm -hmm. there's different kinds of physical therapy programs, right? Like I'm in a minority where I was already in the program prior to him being injured and as a sophomore in college. So they were like asking me his like nerve levels and like, oh, look, see, he's getting better. And I was like, that's something I learned till grad school. So everyone like thought I was further ahead of my time than I was. And cause my mom was saying, Oh, she's in a physical therapy program, which she's not wrong, but there's different kinds. And the majority is not what I did. <laughs> so they would like assume, like, I think they probably thought I was kind of dumb. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm not sure. And then they're like, Oh, what class are you taking? And I tell them, they're like, Oh, you're like an undergrad. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so it was funny in that aspect, but Yeah, it was just, it was like an interesting experience, but it was also just, I don't know, I think it was also nice too for my parents to know, because again, physical therapy is a field you really don't know of until you experience it yourself. We were healthy kids. We never had any injuries. I mean, I think my brother injured his hip one time in football, but he went to like a freestanding PT place for like eight weeks and was done, you know, like nothing intensive, like what he went through. And my parents always supported me. They always have. They're my biggest supporters. But I don't think they truly knew the field I was going into until they witnessed it. And they witnessed a kind of therapists and their kind of personalities. And then I remember them one day, they were like, you know, this is perfect for you. Like, we always knew you were going to be good at it. Like, we never doubted that. But now seeing it and witnessing those character traits of people, you truly have that. And I think that was huge for me to know I like 100% had their support, which, again, they always supported me. But Mm -hmm. to hear someone seeing it from another perspective and then coming back and being like, oh, yeah, no, this is right. You know, it gives you that extra sense of validation because, again, I'm not a decisive person. Like, I knew what I wanted to do. And there's hard days and there's days you doubt it. You know, probably even you. Like, there's days you truly doubt it. And you're like, can I do this for the rest of my life? And sometimes you don't have to, you know, but at least 
I dedicated six years of school to it and I could not be happy with that decision. The days were hard. Grad school was hard. But if I really had to do it all again, I would do it all again to be where I am today, which I think is huge. And not everyone is as fortunate as we are to say that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So do you like what you're currently doing? And because we've spent so much time talking about the past, but I do want to ask you about what you're currently doing Mm -hmm. in a broad sense and um, and how you're liking that so far. A couple years school now yeah well it was a whirlwind of a first year uh, with covid no one foresees a global pandemic when they start their career (laughs) um i love what i'm doing (laughs) i love what i'm doing i love the facility i'm at i like i mentioned before i volunteered there in high school my brother does therapy there it is truly a special place and a special place in my heart i always knew i was going to go back to chicago to start working because i wanted to work at this facility so I truly got my dream job out of school, um, which again, very fortunate to say that, know that I'm super blessed, but I did get that opportunity and I could not be more pleased because I'm with a very challenging patient population. So again, I'm a pediatric physical therapist. So that means I can see anyone from a newborn infant to about 21 years old and they wow. can come to me with anything. They can be a little baby that was in the wrong position and their neck is a little tight on one side and we have to stretch them out. They can be a kid that had a birth injury, um, like cerebral palsy or spina bifida. I see kids with genetic conditions. I see kids like my brother who were in accidents, who were in a car accident. Now they have a traumatic brain injury or they had this malformation in their brain. Now they have a stroke. So I see anything and everything, which is awesome. I never have the same day at work twice. That's also very stressful as a new graduate. (laughs) But what I'm fortunate for and why I wanted to work where I was is I have therapists who have been doing this for 40 years. So I always have a mentor. I always have someone I can ask a question to that are willing to help me learn and teach me along the way, which is huge. And I, for anyone who's listening, who's in physical therapy school or new grad, especially in pediatrics, that's not something that's covered a lot in our curriculum in PT school. They cover it because they have to cover it, but it's not super in depth. Um, to have that mentorship is critical. I think in any career, in your first job, you want to feel supported and feel like you can ask questions and really learn and grow and flourish. Um, so I feel like having that mentorship and that time and those people who know more than you, like that's the thing you want to be like, you surround yourself and you want to be the least intelligent person in the room. So you learn from everyone else. It's kind of one of those <laughs> where it's like you want to have that mentorship. Um, but I that I've had experiences I wouldn't have any other place because we offer services that no one else offers. So truly for my career, I think it's great. Like I said, there are hard days. I see some sad cases. Um, but I also why I love pediatrics is because it's challenging. I'm always thinking, I'm always on the go. I I don't I should work out more than I do, but every day is a workout for me at work. <laughs> um it's not a boring job. I'm constantly thinking of new toys, new ways to engage a kid. I'm learning all different sorts of parenting styles and behavior management stuff. And again, stuff you don't learn from a textbook. You can't. It's just based on your experience. Um, But I think what stands out to me the most is that the kids I have, they're not defined by what they can't do, but they only see what they can do. And I think for me, that's constantly what keeps me going every day and why I love working with kids because I wish everyone would view, I don't want to use the word disability, but I'm going to use that term in the sense that a kid does, because truly I think the world would be a better place if everyone 
acted like they were when they were kids and had the same worldviews. I think a lot of problems would be solved. And um, yeah, I just feel like I get so lucky that I get to serve these kids every day and use the knowledge I have um, to make the world a better place and to help them achieve all their goals. Aww, that's so sweet. <laughs> I'm sorry, tearing up. No, that's <laughs> yeah. No, I I'm super fortunate to have those tools and the opportunity to serve with the kids I do. So, oh, well, you're yes. definitely in the right. You're in the right career. Oh, thank you. I'm glad that you uh, you know are happy in your in your job and you feel like that because that's just so important. Like you yeah. want to feel like you're making a difference. At least in mm-hmm. my my experience, this is very oh, subjective, yeah. but. Yeah you know, you want to feel like you're making a difference. And for you, it's like, you know, in a big way, in a medical way, but for all sorts of different jobs, you can make a difference. It doesn't have to be, you know, in a medical professional alone. Yeah. Um, but I'm so glad that you found your, your path yeah. and that it has just kind of worked out the way that it has. And like, you're very fortunate, but also you work very hard. Yeah. So that makes sense that it would, that it would work out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's the biggest thing of people like trying to find their career. I think you have to find what's personally fulfilling to you and what adds meaning to your life. And then also something that is something you're good at or has the same skills that you have that are pretty strong. Cause not everyone's good at everything. Mm-hmm. Like I'm terrible at math. And even like my mom was like laughing the one day. Cause again, she didn't see this. So my brother was in therapy, but she's like, you know, you work a lot with like tools and equipment. Like you're not really good at that. <laughs> Like, and again, that's a very specific thing to pediatric PT, but we do, we have lots of equipment that we use to get kids standing and walking and all sorts of stuff. And maybe it's not my strongest suit, but I know enough to use like a screwdriver and an Allen wrench and like, that's fine. And if not, then I ask someone else. But I think knowing what you like, what your interests are, and then if you're able to marry that with a career choice that you find personally fulfilling is like you've hit the jackpot. So I do feel so fortunate that that's been the case for me. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So I know that you have also taken on a little bit of a side job, I guess. Um, I don't know what, yeah. you, what you class them. Side hustle. Yeah. I don't know. That's like what the cool kids say now, right? It's like a side hustle. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so how did that come about? First of all, what is that? And then how did that come about? Yeah. So I am a brand ambassador for Odan and Fields. Um, so I help people, other people get the best skin in your life. I'm going to use all the taglines, um, but that's truly what it is. So I, my mom is actually the person who got me into the business. Um, I had struggled with skin issues my entire life, like my entire life. I it was, it was particularly acne. I mean, I think <laughs> I look back in like high school pictures. And I'm like, Oh my God, I did a good job covering it up. And like, no one could really tell. Like I always I had a full face of makeup on though, yeah. but I would take it off and it'd be sweat. Oh my God. I was like, I can talk about this now, but like I would get like acne on my back. And I remember like, I would hate summer. I would hate having to be out in like a swimsuit or like spaghetti strap dresses and be so self-conscious about it. And it was truly like, you get so self-conscious about it. Like, especially as a female, we have all this pressure on us to look a certain way. And especially as a high school girl, like you feel that a hundred percent. And so I always struggled with it. I was going to dermatologist appointments. I was on all different kinds of medications. I actually took that Accutane. Mm -hmm. So that's like a thing you have to take for six months and you have to take all these different tests and make sure your levels are fine. So I did one round of that and I knocked out my back knee, (laughs) but then I still kept having these other, um, like, 
flares on my skin kind of of like just this acne that no one like that's always embarrassing no matter how old you are like it's just it's just yuck and um I actually in college I think it was from probably the antibiotics I was taking like antibiotics daily for my acne like nothing seemed to work and I actually got it's not something you want to hear you go to your dermatologist's office and you show them what's going on and she's like, I haven't seen this before. I'm going to call the other doctor. Oh. Like, oh my God. What do you mean? Like, you never want to hear your doctor say that. No. <laughs> Even if they think that, like, don't say it to your face. So they said it's my face. It turns out I had like a yeast infection on my face, but I thought it was acne, but it was like this cluster of like, it looked like little like whiteheads on my face. It turns out it was a yeast infection on my face. So we finally got rid of it. I got on medicine we got rid of it, but I had all the scarring after and I was like, oh, that's like, I don't know. And I was young at the time. Like, that's when you're supposed to, like, be your prettiest and youthful and have all this great skin. And so I was like, okay, well, I got to do something. That's right when my mom, my mom actually started selling this skincare right before my brother got injured. And so I got to see firsthand. She sold it. She made her investment back. And then she put it on pause because life happened. And then we kind of got back into it. I started using the products. My skin has looked the best it's ever looked. I started on using all the acne stuff. They came out with a new product for your lashes. I started using that and loved it. Like I've been using, I was like a product junkie. My mom was like hooking me up with all these products for years. So I was using them. It was great. And my mom was always like, you should like sell it. Like you should just think about it. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And time. And I always had an excuse. It was like, I was an undergrad or grad school or starting my career. I was like, it's never a good time. Like when it's the right time, I'll let you know and we'll do it. But right now I'm fine just using it. Well, when COVID happened, I was actually, I was not furloughed, luckily, because a lot of therapists that I know were furloughed or literally just like, they're like, we'll call you if our clinic can reopen type of thing. Like I had friends that lost their job. I had friends who were furloughed without pay for an indefinite amount of time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, this is scary. And luckily I work for a bigger health system. So I had some of that security. Um, But you go into healthcare thinking it's a stable career. You're always going to have a job. Well, the pandemic showed me that that's not necessarily true. You know, you kind of expect that. Like, people are always going to get sick. People are always going to need you. But COVID kind of turned that idea on its head. So I actually, I didn't get um, furloughed for work, but I actually got set to the adult side of things, which was great experience. You kind of challenge yourself again, thrown to the wolves a little bit. But, like, I could handle it. I felt like as a new grad, that was the perfect time for me because I didn't lose any of the skills. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that. And then I was like, you know what? I need something else because what if this continues for how many years and they end up furloughing me? I'm the newest hire. I'm the first one out the door probably. Like, that's just kind of how business works. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what? I decided to do it. So I jumped on board with my mom. I invested in the business. I've talked to so many other people who it was the same thing. Mine wasn't necessarily dire financial needs, but it's one of those things where I was like, if I'm 25 now and I hit this big and I can start working this in my small pockets of time, maybe I can have something bigger by the time I'm 30 and I want to start staying at home with the kids I will hopefully have one day or something. It just gives you some options that I may not have had otherwise. And it gives me a plan B because my plan A is great. It's working out awesome. But again, who knows what the state of the world is going to be in a few years. It's always good to have something else. Mm -hmm. Particularly the business I chose is a business that's recession proof. It was founded in the 2008 recession. It was when people, you hear stories of people who were living on food stamps, literally put the investment on a credit card and was like, I better make this big. And they have. Mm -hmm. So 
for me, seeing with COVID again, I was not in dire straits like some of these other people are, but I feel like, especially as a young 20 something year old with the state of the world and how uncertain everything is, it's always nice to have a plan B and some sort of residual income that you're having just because you're protecting yourself for the future because you never know what's going to happen. I could be in a car accident and then guess what? I can't work my career anymore. You know, well, like there's certain not. things where it's hopefully, hopefully not. not, but, but truly my life has showed me that you can have a life changing diagnosis or accident and everything you knew is now out the window. So and again, it's not to scare people, but just thinking about that. And again, I see it firsthand, you know, but thinking that it's never a bad idea to have a plan B and to prepare yourself as best you can for the future. Yeah. Well, you do know that better than anyone else. Um, I know personally <laughs> that is true. Yeah. No, it's always good, good advice, um, you know, to have a backup or to have some other options. And yeah. I think, I think a lot of us in the pandemic have felt that in one way or another, right? Even if it's not mm-hmm. like economic things that you realize, like you start realizing other things. So, you know, there's just yeah. so much that I think we all thought was stable or never going to change or, you know, like yeah. life is the way it is. And then all of a sudden it was yeah. like 2020 happened and we were like, never mind. Uh, everything is out yeah. the window. So. No, I think you're very smart to uh, invest in that and to start this business and also have your physical therapy as your, you know, main job. But it's always good to have backups for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of it, too, if people are like considering something like that, like I feel like for me, my biggest thing is that I want to give back to people. And so I'm not I don't think of it as like I'm selling skincare, like I'm offering you a product to address some of your concerns, to make you confident and comfortable in the skin you're in to live your best life. And it's the same thing as my career. I'm trying to give back to people and give them opportunities to better themselves. And so I feel like if, you know, cause I think a lot of people have side hustles nowadays, you know, like some people work two or three jobs and that's like the new buzzword now is like, Oh, you have a side hustle. And it's like, right. Yeah. In a sense, but you do it for more than that because truly in the community of people I joined, it's some bad expletive people who have like gone through the trenches and you hear their stories and you can't help but be inspired and you can't help but like realize that there's so much good and like they are so optimistic and encouraging. They're like, you got this, you're crushing your, you know, like I think to have that positivity at a time when the pandemic took a lot of that away from some people. You know, I think it's really important to kind of find your groove, find what you want to do, and then you find a vehicle to support your overall mission and purpose, you know? But um, again, it's bigger than just economic. But you have some things like this, like COVID, where it makes you, again, kind of not second-guess some things, but realize that stuff that you thought was set in stone isn't so set in stone. Yeah, 100%. Yes. Um, are you an Enneagram too? I don't know. Oh, I had religion class with you in high school. Yeah. Right. And we did it. I don't know. Should I do it? Yeah, I, you I should know, redo it I because am. number two is the helper. And I, I'm like mm. really, mm-hmm. really convinced that you are definitely an Enneagram too. I think, I think I'm the helper. Okay. What are the other types? Cause I think I can, I can tell you if I hear that and I have wings. 
Okay, so it would either be a two wing one, which one is the perfectionist, and then two wing three, and three is the, uh, I think three is the achiever, but I could be wrong. That might be. Yeah, I think that sounds right. I have to. Because I am like, I'm pretty type A. Yeah. And so I, and I think I had like, they were like, oh, you'll have a wing that's stronger. And I didn't have a wing that was stronger. I remember that. So that sounds right. Yeah. I'm probably a two. Yeah. You got to look it up <laughs> because the more that you talk about like wanting to help people, I'm like, oh, yeah, definitely. I can type, type you right away. Should I Google it? I know. I haven't done that in a long time. I should do it. Let me see. I, I love the Enneagram. I have a previous uh, podcast episode for my, my past season, season two. So you can definitely, um, you know, hear that. See, I know. Well, I remember doing it, but like, I also find it's interesting because like I did it in high school, but like, did your type like change as you got older or no? So I thought I was a six and sixes, if they're on a very unhealthy level can look like, um, or sorry, if you're a one and you're really unhealthy, you can look like a six. And so sixes and ones can sometimes look similar, but I thought I was a six in high school, but I'm definitely a one. Um, but okay. it's because I was like un- mm. an unhealthy one. So I looked like a six. But it's so complicated and there's so many books on it. And um, yeah, you'll have to look it up. Yeah. I, I want to get back into that because I would I would think it would be like interesting to see if it's like if it evolves over time or if more that you just are more in tune with your true like character. And, like, then it comes out. You just become, like, more authentic to yourself because you'll see that, like, every number has a spectrum. So you're, like, you can be unhealthy or healthy. So I think that you don't really change over time. But I think that you can – I mean, a lot of it is movable. But anyway, I'm on a whole tangent. But look it up. It's interesting, though. (laughs) Yeah. We should. But I think it ties together because your personality is so much – the helper. I mean, you want to help other people and that's like your entire career yeah. path and your side has, that's everything about you. So yeah. just, it, it ties yeah. together. Um, it's relevant. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Catherine. This was a lot of fun. And um, I'm just so glad to hear that you're doing so well in your field. Yeah, thanks for having me. I hope sometimes this helps people navigate the world. I feel like starting out as an adult, it's hard to know what you want to (laughs) do. Trust me, I was maybe going to be like a journalist or like a teacher. Like I was all over the board. So like, I feel like my best advice is like, if you think there's something that you want to do, go out and try to get experience with it. And then again, just kind of let your major purpose in life kind of guide you. And so I hope hearing my story from people, I hope that uh, kind of helps some other people find their true path and one that'll make them happy and fulfilled. Yeah, I'm sure it will. So thank you again and tune in next week for the next episode. Thanks everyone. Thanks everyone.